you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hello, it's Oliver Banks here and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. This is episode 30 and today I've got some super golden nuggets for you. Customer service and customer experience has been important in retail for a long, long time. But arguably, it's more important now than it ever has been. In this digital age, you have to know your customers and you have to be able to engage with them in a relevant and personalised way. So today, I'm excited to invite Tim Mason onto the show. He's the CEO of Eagle Eye Solutions Group. Previously, he was the deputy CEO of Tesco. He was also the CMO, and he led several major transformation programmes that were instrumental to the growth and success of Tesco. I'm talking about programmes like the introduction of Clubcard, the introduction of Tesco.com, and even their strapline that is still in use today, Every Little Helps. Tim Mason was the conductor for all of these amazing initiatives, and he understands the customer. He's also just authored a great new book entitled Omnichannel Retail, How to Build Winning Stores in a Digital World. And it's published by Kogan Page. Now, he's also co-written this with Maya Knights, who... If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll know we had on back in episode 16 and 17 with Natalie Berg talking about her also other amazing book, Amazon. Omnichannel Retail is a great read if you're interested in how to make your physical stores relevant and successful in today's digital age. Tim shares a ton of his experience when it comes to loyalty, when it comes to understanding and personalizing your offering, your marketing for your customers. In fact, it's also just been rated the number one best new retail book by Book Authority. So this is definitely something to add to your reading list. So this is a great interview coming right up. And it's going to be split over this episode and next week's episode. So make sure you hit subscribe now so you don't miss part two of this brilliant, brilliant catch up with Tim Mason. So without further ado, let's dive straight into this with Tim Mason, author of Omnichannel Retail and CEO of Eagle Eye Solutions. Here we go. So today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Tim Mason, the CEO of Eagle Eye and also the author of a brand new book, Omnichannel Retail, How to Build Winning Stores in a Digital World. Tim, hi, how are you doing? I'm very well indeed, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks so much for jumping on the Retail Transformation Show. Omnichannel is one of the really big, hot topics at the moment, so it's great to be able to dive into it. But before we do, can we just explore, what is Omnichannel? What do we mean by Omnichannel? How do we differentiate versus multi-channel? I think that's a good question, and it's a um, a very important point. I think the important point about Omni is is it's one. It's, um, you know, it is one thing. 
and and it has to be all linked together and all connected. Many businesses are multi-channel. Uh, many businesses, you know, built uh, an e-commerce platform if they were advanced in the 90s or in the early 2000s. And clearly they didn't really see the way this was going to play out and that we would end up living in an omnichannel world. So they built an, a siloed e-commerce business, which has no ability to talk to or to read across uh, to the bricks and mortar business or any other channel that they've got. And that has caused a host of problems ever since uh, in terms of, you know, ju- just not being able to get the single customer view. Sure. And wh- why is why is that single customer view so important? I know it's talked about a lot, but just so we're clear. Well, I think there's two reasons. One, one is fundamental and sort of philosophical, which is. Uh, and you know, and I say this from from sort of all all my experience, it is infinitely easier to market to a consumer who you know the identity of, that you have an idea of what they do buy and what they don't buy and what they do like and what they don't like, compared to marketing to the ether. You know, there is no comparison. If you want to build your meat business. Go and talk to meat buyers. Go and talk to non-meat buyers if you like. It'll be much harder, but you know. But but at least you can start in a, in, a, in in a measured analytical approach, saying this objective, these customers, this incentive, that measurement, did it work? You know, and and, and take it on from there. Uh, whereas you know, when when you just spray and pray. Um, it, 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 it is completely hopeless. So it's transformational in terms of the way you do business. And, and, and I think you really have to believe that. Once you believe that, then, um, that, then actually knowing who the customer is, having a connection, uh, you, you know, that, that just becomes the obvious way of doing things. You, you hinted there at all your experience. You were the deputy CEO of Tesco and also CMO. And you led a huge number of really big transformational initiatives. What was your proudest moment at Tesco? Do you mind if I ask as, as one ex-Tesco guy to another? <laughs> um, when were you there, by the way? So I was there 2010 to 2015, and I was uh, in the supply chain section and then operations development, the internal consulting function. Okay, okay, okay. So you were there when I was in the States and then after I left? That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. I mean, I, I guess you have to say club card, you know. You kiss one frog, you get a prince, you know. I mean, um, <laughs> I, I think we did do a number of, I mean, you'd have to say the creation and the coining of the Every Little Help strategy was an amazing thing to do, to create a sort of we try harder Avis type slogan in the 1990s that, that still runs to this day, you know, you, you, you gotta be, you, you gotta feel that that, 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 that was sort of worthwhile. Club card, obviously, Tesco.com, you know, we launched Tesco.com, I think it was called Tesco Direct in those days, 
1995, I went to a Tesco strategy board meeting in 1994, and I had two papers to present. One was you need to do this club card thing, and the other is you need to start doing shopping through this newfangled thing called the Internet. And God, <laughs> wow. bless, you know, God bless their cotton socks. They said yes to both of them. And how fortuitous that they did, because what a change. I mean, in fairness, I, I, I think fortuitous, you know, I mean, people say, why was Tesco as good as it was? Well, the answer is because they had a leadership team who were prepared and capable of making decisions like that, you know. And, and let, let, you know, just one other thing while, while I'm, while I'm on a roll, Clubcard was a hundred million quid of investments at a time the business, business was making 500 million. You know, people wonder why it changed the dial because it was real money doing a real thing, and actually it was doing a better thing. And you know, it was not an incremental, I mean, clearly these are very big businesses, so it was not an incremental 5 or 10 million. It was a massive statement of intent. And, of course, because it was a massive statement of intent, I was under huge pressure from the business to get a return on investment. And that return on investment really came in two ways. One was, you better sell some more, Tim. And fortunately, it was a very popular promotion. And secondly, get us a return on all this data that we're paying all this money for. Sure. And that's, uh, that's a long, long-term payoff and long-term business plan. How do you, I mean, you, you go into the, the journey of Clubcard and there's some brilliant photos and interviews in the book. But just help me understand, when you're making such a huge pitch to the board, how did you best go about it? How did you pre-position the, the board and keep them in, in track as well as you, as you go about implementing? It was a long trial. It was a, a year trial, and the trial was very successful. That doesn't half help. Normally, rather irritatingly in business, I don't know if you've found this, Trials tend to have what you, you, you know, what is sometimes called the Hawthorne effect. So trials do rather well. And then when actually when you switch them on and they go live, they do rather less well. This Absolutely. was the reverse. Actually, Club Card did better in all the stores than it had done in 12 stores. And I think there were some logical reasons for that. One, one was above the line marketing. And two was actually a lot of people, even in those days, shopped in more than one store. Uh, and, uh, and once it went live, you could use it anywhere even though you you had a home store, whereas previously you could only use it in the store it was registered to, in effect. So there were some reasons that it worked better. Uh, so I, I think long trial, a trial that works, and and then a lot of lobbying and a lot of communicating and a lot of taking people with you. You know, you've got to remember that when we launched, David Sainsbury said this is electronic green shield stamps. These were the guys who had got to the top of Tesco and had run Tesco so successfully by binning Green Shield stamps for price cuts. And at the end of their careers, two years before they were due to retire, along came smart-ass Tim Mason and said, I've got a great idea, put a loyalty scheme in again. And God bless their <laughs> cotton socks, they said, yes, you know, because they understood that the fact that it was a successful promotion was absolutely brilliant. But actually what you were doing was you were changing the relationship of a supermarket with its anonymous herd of customers and from a relationship of a supermarket to individuals. And that had a 
a psychological, philosophical, and operational transformation over more than a decade in terms of how that business thought about consumers and created value for them. That's astonishing. It's it's absolutely brilliant. And if we were to take Clubcard today, it's obviously still well used by Tesco. In the book, you use this concept, digitally enabled and data driven. Tell me a bit more about that and how that presents itself in the modern day world. Well, I think the uh, that's my favourite phrase from the book. The book was <laughs> the book was almost worth it to come to to, to 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 come to that phrase. And what we've been talking about there, really, in this whole run up, is uh, is data driven. What Clubcard taught me was the benefits of running a business using customer data. The realization that I have come to later, probably later than I should have done as I've moved into things digital sort of in post-2012 and, and, and eventually come in as, as CEO of Eagle Eye, is that when you add digital enablement to that data, then you start to really change the game because your costs of transmitting are so much lower. You know, Loblaw, who are Eagle Eye's biggest client, speak with their customers every week and send their offers, offers every week. Tesco do it once a quarter, and it's cheaper for Loblaw to do what they do than Tesco to do what they do. Right. So you know, without which, having which to do are, physical mailings and exactly, sort of exactly, printing out tokens, etc. Exactly. Et exa exactly. So that's the first thing. Is you know, the, the second thing is, and, and 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 my view is, and it's it's not there yet, but I am absolutely convinced that the holy grail that one should be aspiring to is real-time marketing, or as uh, a phrase that I'm less happy with, a rather ugly phrase, but what I call is marketing in the now. Okay. And, and what I believe there is that in the way that near-me searching transformed search for Google, so marketing in the now will transform marketing. Wow, that's going to be a big impact then. Tell me more. I believe so. Well, you know, if you think about near me searching, it's all about relevance. You know, uh, w one of the problems with reading sort of magazines and stuff is there you are sitting in Derby and you're reading about all these restaurants in London, which is sort of interesting, but also sort of irrelevant. Um, <laughs> what the Internet has enabled you to do is actually, if you're in Derby, let's talk to you about Derby. And, and if you're in East Derby, let, you know, and, and get you down to your village and talk to you about your village and what's going on in your village. And that improvement in relevance has significantly increased the utility of search and maps uh, 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 and how you find things. It makes um, it more actionable for, for the person. They can You can respond to a call to action of come to this pub, this restaurant, that is five minutes away from you. Exactly. Or they can initiate something which, which ends up with a much more relevant answer. All of that then applies to marketing. Tim Mason. Oh, Tim Mason has just walked into my store. Where, Gigi, where, who is Tim Mason? Oh, he's a super loyal customer. And he does this and, and, you know, and he looks as though he's, he's becoming a flexitarian and he's bought some of those Beyond Meat burgers the last time he was in, you know, and, and you're doing all your stuff and you're using your AI and you suddenly ping something to his phone that says, hi, Tim, great to see you back. Thought you'd like to know. Beyond Meat have just launched a, a, a ground meat product. 
it's in the frozen food aisle. Yeah. You know, and you powerful. go, well, that's interesting. You know, and, 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 and I honestly believe that in marketing, particularly in destination marketing, where you retail, restaurant, shopping center, whatever it is, you're always trying to do one of two things, really. You're either trying to get somebody to put in an extra visit, which is hugely profitable because they're probably going to spend 20, 50, 100 quid when they visit. Yep. Or you're trying to get them to spend a bit more when they're there, which is very significant because there is a lot of them, but that's two, five, ten quid. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and you, you need to run, you need to have these two programs. You need to have a group of people whose target is to drive, drive visits and you need to have a group of people whose target is to drive spend and don't get the promotional techniques confused because they are very different. What you should be doing the one to the other. And that's, I think the, you know, that's the vision. That's where you should be going. And then, and then because you can send it direct to the phone personally much more one-to-one it's much better now going back to this by visits point if you know to a pretty high degree of certainty 75 80 percent know that i'm going to come into your bar on a wednesday night don't send me an offer to visit on a wednesday (laughs) Yeah, yeah you're leaving money on the table exactly send me an offer to visit at the weekend on a Monday or two. If I don't, uh, because, because these, this, this marketing is you only pay if they play. It's only costing you the price of a push, which is almost nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, you don't have to get to, you, there's an awful lot that you can do before you get to Tim Mason is a meat reducer. He's in the frozen food aisle. You know, I believe we will get there, by the way. But just being able to say, don't send him that offer on a Wednesday, send it to him on a Tuesday or a Thursday. Or or the other thing is, if you think about it, most businesses issue their flyer on a Thursday or a Friday. Why do you send me a flyer on a Thursday or a Friday when I always shop on a Tuesday and I always have? You do it because what you're doing is you're thinking analog. You're not thinking digital and you're not thinking personal. Got it. Now, now as we as we sort of sit and look at personalization at the moment, we're, we're at quite an interesting time in the market. If you think about sort of customer demographics, you've got sort of the youngsters, the Gen Zs, the Gen Alphas that are going to be hugely familiar and comfortable with sharing data, sharing personal information to get a personalized experience. But then at the flip side, you've got a lot of older people that are a bit, um, what's, what's the phrase, a bit nervous of sharing too much data, very aware of privacy. What's the best approach to take to, to blend both of those markets? The, I mean, I, I, well, I, I mean, A, again, if you think about it, you were making a case for personalization already there. Uh, and if you think about it, for your more send more sophisticated things to your more digitally savvy, more responsive users than the less. That, you know, that's, that's fine. Yep. Um, secondly, for some people, you're probably going to have to continue to run a plastic card and a, you know, so I, I, I think you're going to, you're going to have to, in order to get everybody, you are going to have to do different things. That's a great personalization opportunity. 
So we're going to take a break just there. Didn't I tell you that was a good catch up? There are a whole load more golden nuggets coming in the next part though, trust me. You are definitely not going to want to miss part two. So do hit subscribe to the podcast and come back for episode 31, where I'm going to be finishing my catch up with Tim Mason. But if you have enjoyed today, remember, please go and buy the book Omnichannel Retail by Tim Mason and Maya Knights. It's published by Kogan Page, and it's a great read. You will not regret that decision. I'm going to put a link to the book on the show notes page at obandco.uk slash 30. And if you know someone that would enjoy this episode, please do share the podcast, tell them about it, share it on social. I'm absolutely sure those people will thank you for sharing this insight with them. We're going to wrap this one up here and I hope you have a good week and I look forward to catching you on episode 31. You know what's coming and you know there is going to be a ton more value. So I will catch up with you next time. 